It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Titans podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Rowland. Titans fans, it is crossover Wednesday, and we are going to start our preparation for the New Orleans Saints with a conversation with Ross from the Locked On Saints podcast. I know you guys enjoy our crossover events, so I hope you do enjoy the conversation that me and Ross have here. In our first segment, before we jump into that, though, we are going to talk about the Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl rosters were announced on Tuesday night, so we will talk about which Titans made it, which are alternates, and which Titans got snubbed. So we'll do that before we jump into our conversation with Ross of the Locked On Saints podcast. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Ready to jump into everything with you. Let's get it. Your Tennessee Titans lead story. Two Tennessee Titans were selected to the AFC Pro Bowl roster when the teams were announced on Tuesday evening. Those two Titans are probably the most obvious choices. Running back Derrick Henry, who will be making his first appearance in the Pro Bowl, and punter Brett the Weapon Kern, who will be making his third Pro Bowl appearance. Both of these guys have been in consideration for the best at their position all year. They've been consistently dominant for the Titans in both of their aspects of the game, offense and special teams. Derrick Henry so far this season has 271 carries, 1,329 yards, 13 rushing touchdowns. That's 4.9 yards per carry. That'd be a career high for him in all aspects. Going into the receiving game, he has 18 catches, 206 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. He's played 63% of the offensive snaps. All of that would be a career high for Derrick Henry. Previous to the season, his snap counts for his first three seasons had been in the 40s. So this is a, a drastic jump for him in snaps and in production. And it's something that, from a Titans perspective, you needed to see before you paid him the kind of money that he is going to command. So clearly he does have the ability to carry an offense, and he has been the foundation for the the Titans' success for the last two seasons. On the other side, Brett Kern, his third Pro Bowl, he's had 67 total punts so far for a 47.5 yards per punt average. 3% of his punts have ended up as touchbacks. 34 of his punts have been down inside the 20-yard line, and that leads the NFL. He's been phenomenal. As I said, those are the only two Titans to make the Pro Bowl this year. However, they did have six players elected as Pro Bowl alternates, so those players are long snapper Bo Brinkley, safety Kevin Byard, defensive lineman Jarrell Casey, cornerback Logan Ryan, guard Roger Saffold, and quarterback Ryan Tannehill. So Tannehill definitely makes sense. His limited amount of games is probably what's keeping him from that conversation. I mean, the other candidates at quarterback are the other people who made the team at quarterback were Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson. So it's hard to be upset about Tannehill not making it there. Roger Saffold, it makes sense that a Titans offensive lineman would at least be nominated, at least be an alternate in consideration, considering how well Derrick Henry has run this season. Logan Ryan, in my opinion, should be a candidate to just make the team outright 
in general, but it is understandable when you see cornerbacks like Stephon Gilmore, Tredavious White, Marcus Peters, and Marlon Humphrey. I think all of those dudes have, have a right to say that they've been better than Logan Ryan in a couple of games this year. Logan's had some down games, so it makes sense that those guys made it above them. Same thing with Kevin Byard. Tough candidates there at safety. Minka Fitzpatrick, who's been phenomenal for the Steelers since the trade, and Earl Thomas from the Ravens. The Ravens are just loading up on Pro Bowl uh, players obviously due to the success they've had this season that kind of comes along with that uh, Kevin Byard so I think he's going to get in eventually though uh, with a couple of those teams that are in there I think one of those will probably have a chance to make the playoffs Jamal Adams was the strong safety who made it for the AFC and he's been great as well Bo Brinkley unless the long snapper who makes the Super Bowl uh, then Bo is probably not going to get an opportunity. But nice to see him recognized. He's been on the team for so long and handling his business for so long. It's just nice to see him get any recognition. I'm sure he's happy about that. I don't see, I want to mention this. I don't see how Jarrell Casey is a candidate here. Uh, the interior linemen that made it were Cameron Hayward of the Steelers, Chris Jones of the Kansas City Chiefs, and Geno Atkins of the Bengals. I just don't understand how he's... And I I love Jarrell Casey. He's been phenomenal, been the best player on this team for plenty of years uh, in some of the dark ages. But now he just hasn't had the productive season that you would have hoped for. And Harold Landry's been the best Titans player on the defensive line. I know he's technically an outside linebacker, but he could have made it in as a defensive end with how much he plays on the edge, especially in sub situations. So uh, was curious to see that. Hopefully the Titans don't have to send anyone to the Pro Bowl because they are in the Super Bowl themselves. But that is something we will have to wait and see on and the Titans will need some help. That is going to do it for our first segment though. We are going to jump into our conversation with Ross from the Locked On Saints podcast for Crossover Wednesday. Before we do, I want to remind you that if you are looking for a last minute fun sports gift for the holidays, go to breakingtea.com slash locked on. Breaking Tea makes sports t-shirts around teams' favorite moments. Great for all fans. Go to breakingtea.com slash locked on and then feel free to search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can go whenever the opportunity arises. You let off with a home run, guys. Make sure you can go deep in your second bad as well. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy, and best of all, there's no more awkwardness. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com to get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-CHU.com. Promo code locked on to try it for free. We are here for Crossover Wednesday, ready to have a conversation with the host of Locked on Saints. It's Ross. Ross, how are you doing tonight? 
Hey, brother. I'm doing well, man. I'm really, really glad to be here with you. Uh, very excited about this Titans team. Very excited about this game. And of course, very excited about the Saints. So this is a really, really, really fun one for me, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah, the Saints are a fantastic team and being on the NFC, they're one of my favorite teams to watch since they typically don't have anything to do with the Titans. For all our Saints <laughs> listeners, my name is Tyler Rowland, host of the Locked On Titans podcast. I appreciate you guys checking out our conversation today. Well, I will jump in. Let's start with Monday night. You know, what a game. Drew Brees breaks the all-time touchdown record, breaks Peyton Manning's record, beats the Colts, which actually has become super important for the Titans that the Colts lose games. So just your initial thoughts on how legendary Drew Brees has been, what he's meant to the Saints organization, and then what he's meant to this season dealing with the injury he came back from. Yeah, man, absolutely. I think one of the things that we can really take away from all of this is that particularly with this performance as well as last week's performance against the San Francisco 49ers, Drew Brees has really shown that that thumb injury has recovered. And one of the things that's really, really great about this is around this is about the type, I'm sorry, about the time uh, last season where we kind of started to see Drew Brees maybe trail off a little bit. The arm strength was kind of dwindling. The offense was struggling a little bit. Interior pressure was a big issue for him. And now all of a sudden we're seeing him start to hit his stride here weeks 14, weeks 15 with five games earlier in the season that he didn't play, including you could essentially say a sixth game because he only played a series and maybe a couple of plays of the Rams game week two. So he's been on rest for about six weeks this year. And then now all of a sudden he's starting to turn it on this season when we saw it all start to kind of taper off a little bit last year. So that's one of the big takeaways. The other thing is that it's just, it's an incredible thing to acknowledge and to be able to understand what we're seeing here in New Orleans in terms of what Drew Brees is doing, the records that he's setting, what the, the way that he's playing and the way that he leads this team. I mean, just in terms of, you know, you, you talked about him in terms of a, as a legendary status player. He really has become that for the city of New Orleans, for all of really the Gulf Coast and a lot of fans all over the world uh, who consider themselves a part of the Houdat Nation. And so it's very exciting to see that. But it's really, really important to see it all happening at this point in the year. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. I agree with your assessment. Last year, it seemed like maybe he he got a little tired. His arm got tired, and maybe that break will help him kind of push through. The Saints are one of those teams that, like I said, I enjoy watching. I root for them on the other side. I'd love to see them in another Super Bowl and see Drew Brees have the opportunity to, you know, put another uh, Super Bowl in his, you know, mantle there and help his conversation as one of the best quarterbacks of all time. But moving forward past that into the Saints offense just this season in general, a juggernaut of sorts, uh, top 10 in yards, passing yards, points per game, uh, 16th in rushing yards per game. But with how effective Kamara is out of the backfield catching the ball, and you know, that's you know, not as important as you would think it would be. So uh, apart from the stars that we know, Breeze, Thomas, Kamara, who has been helping this offense be so efficient and be so effective? Well, uh, let me first make sort of acknowledge the offensive line here because they've been a huge part of it, of course. And you expect that from the good teams in the NFL. And the thing about this offensive line is that you've seen them operating now without their starter at left guard, Andrus Pete. So Nick Easton is in there. Uh, he's been playing really well at left guard. This is a team that's had to play without now pro bowler Teron Armstead, who uh, you know they've had to play without him a couple of times. He's a guy that tends to miss a few games every season with some type of injury. And then we saw Larry Warford, the right guard, go down in the the last game against the Colts as well on Monday night. No status or update on him yet, but we should get that 
on Wednesday later on. And so it, you you look at the offensive line, and really that's been a big part of that, what you've been able to see so far. It's been a big part of the run game. You look back to Latavius Murray having two straight 100-yard performances. Now I know that Titans fans and the Titans are not at all uh, strangers to their running backs having 100-yard performances. But they've come few and far between for the Saints because of the way that they utilize both Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray. So I want to give credit to that. But also, look, Drew Brees hasn't been sacked three games in a row now, and it's shown as something that's been very beneficial uh, for this team with the way that they're putting up points. So I would say the offensive line. And then I'd also mention, uh, I'd mention over on the special team side, because that ends up being the hidden yardage game that helps the offense. Deontay Harris, also a pro bowler, named as a pro bowler on Tuesday. He's somebody that has been excellent in that hidden yardage area in terms of setting up good field position, plus field position for the offense to be able to take advantage of that so they never feel like the their back is up, you know, their backs are up against the wall and their play selection is limited. They've been able to have some breathing room so that they can continue to be creative with Sean Payton, Taysom Hill, somebody else to lead in there. Four touchdown, five touchdown passes from actually now. He got his fifth yesterday. So, it, you know, it, there are a couple of people out there that have been really big for the Saints outside of those big name guys to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you have an offense that is successful the way the Saints offense is, it's going to be more than just the stars. So that's definitely something I I like asking. Speaking of the offensive line, I I like that you shouted them out first. The big guys never get enough credit. We just saw the Titans offensive line, even though Derrick Henry is a leading rusher, not really get a lot of consideration for the Pro Bowl. And it's like, how can all the offensive linemen be so bad if the guy is at to- almost tops in the league in rushing. Right. So I I appreciate that as a former offensive lineman as well, you giving them that credit. The question I have for you is with the offensive line only giving up 21 sacks on the year, they've been incredibly effective. How efficient the offense is, as we mentioned, their uh, 43% conversion rate on third down, 55% in the red zone. That's top half in the league in both of those. What can teams do or what have teams done to try to slow this juggernaut of an offense down? A big part that I would mention in there would be actually, I know I just talked about the offensive line, but a lot of the things that the opposite, you know, that the opposing teams will tend to do to try to limit the Saints is interior pressure in particular. Interior pressure is something that has given the Saints, you know, nightmares before. And the offensive line has done a really good job at guarding against that. But when there are teams that are successful and that are able to to make that happen or able to produce that type of pressure, that does make a big difference. So if you can beat the Saints offensive line, you can disrupt the way that the offense the offense works the other part of it is just taking advantage of mistakes and forcing the saints to sort of be in their heads a little bit and this can happen pretty pretty i don't want to say easily but it happens more away from home than it does at home of course but things like we've seen the saints many many times shoot themselves in the foot with penalties driving themselves back and so the mental aspect of the game which i know sounds a little ethereal but is certainly something that is manageable and something you can hope to take control over in your home stadium which is what this will be for Uh, the Titans and Titans fans. That is another way to sort of take advantage of what the Saints want to do on offense and sort of turn it on their head there because you end up, you know, making them beat themselves just as much as you're trying to beat them, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it definitely makes sense. And as you said, Titans run, uh, fans would would be familiar with a running back going over 100 yards. Titans fans would also be familiar with the only way the team can lose is to beat themselves. So that's something that the Titans struggle with and, you know, we see it last week uh, with the Texans. I don't know how much of the game you caught, but a huge play at the goal line mm-hmm. that, you know, the Titans kind of beat themselves with a mental mistake out there. Uh, so I understand that completely. 
Now, my my question for you moving towards the defense is because the offense is going to be a struggle, and like you said, the only real way to beat them is have them kind of beat themselves. But the defense, dealing with injuries, Marcus Davenport, Sheldon mm-hmm. Rankins on the defensive line going down on IR. Um, the defense has been incredible, though, for the most part and produced 44 sacks on the season, which is fourth best in the NFL. But losing those two guys, how has that affected the defense, and how do you think that might affect the way that they play against the Titans? Well, it's funny, really. I mean, you saw it really negatively affect the team in the middle of the San Francisco game, right? 162 rushing yards given up in that game. But then they bounced back against one of the better offensive linemen. I'm sorry, one of the best offensive lines in the league against the Indianapolis Colts. And then they allow 1.7 yards per carry to Marlon Mack, who maybe isn't the greatest uh, running back in the world, but he's certainly a very effective running back. And we've seen him be that several times. And so they did a really good job, even despite having some of those big guys guys missing, as you named uh, Marcus uh, Marcus Davenport and uh, Sheldon Rankins, they were still very effective in the run game. And they were also very effective in the pass rush. They didn't break out a lot of sacks. They only had one sack in that game that was shared between AJ Klein and Trey Hendrickson, but they still put eight hits down total on Jacoby Brissett, and that can affect a quarterback. It's not always about the sacks that you get. If you think about a good sack day, you're probably talking about maybe four or five sacks, unless you play a game like, was it the Titans not so long ago that had 10 sacks in a game? Uh, we gave up. 10 oh, sacks. Gave up it was, 10 sacks it was a, I believe it was 11 to the Ravens, but we gave up nine to the Jaguars in week three as well. So we know a right. little bit about uh, giving up tons of sacks. <laughs> well, we've seen that happen with the Saints as well. The Saints gave up five or six against the Falcons uh, in their first matchup, and they got nine against the Falcons on their second matchup on Thanksgiving Day. So unless you're talking about a big game like that, you're really talking about maybe four or five sacks is a good day. And to put that in perspective, that's four or five plays out of 60 to 65 maybe for an offense or for a defense and so with that being the case it's kind of a small sample size the rest of it is the consistency of getting pressure on the quarterback and finding other ways to affect their play and the Saints with even without uh, Davenport and Rankins have still found a way to do that at least over these last couple of games. No, I agree 100% with your with your theory there. Uh, I tend to, when I talk, I, I do a lot of analytics on Thursdays on my show, and we always talk about pressure rates, mm-hmm. uh, blitz percentage, quarterback hits, knockdowns, things like that, because you're right. If you just look at sacks, it's it's not going to really give you a story of the impact of the pass rush. That's not really what it's all about. So I, I agree 100%. Well, that is the questions that I have for you in regards to the Saints. We are going to come back in our last segment here and we're going to have Ross ask me some questions about the Titans so I hope you guys join us there before we jump into the second part of our conversation here on our crossover Wednesday event I want to remind you guys that the original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce get a hundred dollars towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash locked NFL and using locked NFL at checkout Terms and conditions apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from our Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. All 
right, y'all. Welcome back to this episode of Crossover Wednesday. You got Locked on Saints like the Locked on Titans here. Uh, got a couple of questions over here from me to you on the Titans side today. Uh, just as a reminder, everybody, it's Ross Jackson here for Locked on Saints at Ross Jackson ASC on Twitter. And then I'm happily, happily joined here with Tyler of the Locked on Titans podcast. So, Tyler, a couple of questions for you, man. Um, we were just talking about the offensive line for the Saints. So let's start off with the defense over for the Titans. When it comes to the pass rush, there's a guy on that on that defensive line that I absolutely loved coming out of the draft. Harold Landry had you know a little bit of a, a, a wild rookie season because of the injury and everything, but has really come back. He had five pressures just in this last game against Houston, 11 total pressures for the team. How are you feeling about what the Titans pass rush can do against the Saints offensive line? Well, I have to be honest with you. I don't feel great about it. And I I appreciate you shouting out Harold Landry here. He's been fantastic this year for the most part. Um, He's had a little bit of spells of inconsistency in certain games against certain teams. But for the most part, he's been fantastic. Nine sacks on the year. So he's been our most consistent you know, force in the pass rush. But unfortunately, that's where the Titans team and roster really lacks. And that's edge rushers getting consistent pressure up the middle. Jarrell Casey's been a stud for multiple years, but he's starting to get in his older age and becoming less effective. Jeffrey Simmons is a really effective rookie, but coming off of an ACL tear and not having a full training camp in the beginning of the season, they limit his snaps to about 50% of the snaps per game. So the Titans don't have now with Cam Wake being on IR and them rotating a bunch of uh, you know low-end roster guys or practice squad call-ups, rotating those guys at the other edge rusher position. So that's somewhere where the Titans really lack, and that's my main concern, is will the Titans be able to get pressure on Breeze so that he's not able to pick apart a secondary that's really banged up right now? So that's a very good question, and I I actually think that the Titans won't be able to do that unless they go to their typical scheme, which is blitzing cornerbacks, blitzing safeties, blitzing linebackers. That's what you see from the Titans quite often because they can't get pressure with their front four, which is something that's really vital in the NFL, quite frankly. Absolutely. And look, I mean, blitzing Drew Brees is is a risk, but sometimes it pays off. The risk versus reward is there. The One of the big differences that you'll see from Drew Brees is that if the middle of the field is closed, the blitz tends to work a little bit better. But if the middle of the field is open, so if you're playing a cover four or a cover two, it right. looks much different uh, for Drew Brees, who really does have the opportunity there to pick apart a defense, mm-hmm. especially if you're sending a linebacker in a cover two look or anything like that or a cover well, four Unfortunately, look. the Titans, because they have Tremaine Brock, who they got off waivers. Mm -hmm. LaShawn Sims, who's their fourth cornerback, finally came back after missing a few games with injury, but they also have practice squad guys like Ty Smith, Kareem Orr, they just signed back to the roster, so um, they've been running, you know, when you have new guys who don't know the scheme, you're going to run man because you've been playing man since you were, you know, in the yep. ba- in the schoolyard when you were five, you've been playing man coverage. So they've been playing a lot of man, and that really exposed them in the fourth quarter against the Texans. And DeAndre Hopkins ate them alive in the fourth quarter. So it makes me nervous as to what their plan will be for Michael Thomas. He's been even more consistent and better than DeAndre Hopkins this year. So going man and trying to stay in man all day and blitz linebackers and safeties to rush five, that's not going to work against this Saints team. So I'm curious to see what the Titans' plan will be. I think they will need to play more zone. But the problem with that is if you give Drew Brees a chance to survey the zone and know where everyone's at, he's going to pick you apart too. So uh, how Dean Pease decides to come out in the first half in his defensive game plan, which hasn't really been solid the last few weeks, will tell us a lot 
about how the game will go. So obviously Saints and Titans fans be really looking for how the Titans play defense in that first series because that'll tell you a lot about what they're trying to do on the day. Yeah, absolutely. And that pretty much answered my next question about what the Titans plan was uh, with Michael Thomas. Unless you have anything else to add about the Michael Thomas conundrum that every defense has to deal with, uh, I'd like to move on to ask you about one of the guys that Saints fans are really excited to see him sort of have a bounce back game. And Saints fans have been waiting for it for quite some time. How do you feel about linebackers matching up with Alvin Kamara if Alvin Kamara can get back to his 2017-2018 ways? Well, the closest person that I could compare Alvin Kamara to would be Christian McCaffrey, and the Mm -hmm. Titans struggled with him, and I think it was because they were trying to get too cute with different coverages and miscommunications happen. Um, So I think that the Titans are actually in a decent spot when it comes to that. Uh, Logan Ryan, I would expect to get matched up on Alvin Kamara quite a bit coming out of the backfield. I think you got to put a cornerback on Kamara out of the backfield, as you've seen people do to James White with the Patriots. Um, That's been pretty effective. I think the Titans should copy that against Mm -hmm. the Saints. So Jayon Brown, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated linebackers in the NFL. He is undersized, but he's been phenomenal for the Titans. He's really fast. He's a great pass coverage linebacker. So if you can get a combination of Logan Ryan and Jayon Brown switching things up to stay on Kamara, I think they have a pretty good shot of limiting Kamara. It's Thomas and some of the other weapons that that worry me the most because the Titans are hurting outside. I think Jayon Brown and Logan Ryan and maybe Kenny Vaccaro at safety, those three together can try to limit Kamara as best. I guess there's a better chance of that than there is of Michael Thomas being limited. We're talking about two of the best players in the NFL. It's all about just trying to take away as much as you can at that moment in time. But that's a place linebackers covering Kamara out of the backfield or who may cover Kamara, where I think the Titans actually have more of an advantage than they do elsewhere. That's good. So going along with that same thing, when you look at that, and you know, we talked about Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, how do you limit them? But also, Saints have a new big addition. It's a big tight end, number 87, Jared Cook. What do the Titans do in terms of trying to limit these three guys as much as they can? Yeah, absolutely. I think in that situation, what you're going to need to do is you're going to try to play like some complex zones where you have some man coverage included. Uh, I think that has to be the key. The Titans will have to go and dime packages. I, I don't really think the Titans are going to fear the Saints' you know, running attack. The Titans mm-hmm. do pretty well against the run game. So I think what the Titans should do is go into a lot of dime personnel where you're only going to have three linemen out on the field, uh, two linebackers, have six defensive backs out there, and try to play zone and and maybe try to have an underneath slot like Logan Ryan man up on Michael Thomas with the rest of the defensive shell playing zone. I think, you know, quarters, cover two, cover three, mixing all of those together to try your best to confuse Drew Brees and just not give away what the coverage is pre-snap. Just try to mix in a bunch of different coverages with man as well. The Titans haven't mixed up a lot of coverages half to half. They've been like solely doing man in the second half against the Texans. They Mm -hmm. went man against the Raiders in first half and then eventually switched to zone. So I hope the Titans switch up the coverages a lot more often against the Saints. And I know they have a lot of new guys playing at corner, and that may be difficult to get them on the same page, but that, that's what they have to try to do. So that's what I would expect them to do to try to take away Cook in the middle because then you can have your linebackers like Rashawn Evans, Jayon Brown, safety Kenny Vaccaro taking care of the middle zones, and then Logan Ryan maybe manned up uh, on Michael Thomas have the rest of the five defensive backs play in a zone. That might be your, your best chance, but uh, that's a tough – riddle to crack mm-hmm. quite frankly and most NFL defensive coordinators haven't been able to do it as the Saints are 10 and 3 
Yeah, absolutely. It's a tough, tough thing for them to bring in uh, to any uh, bring up to any defense uh, at all. And of course, Saints fans and the Saints are very familiar with Kenny Vaccaro. Everybody's very, very, uh, very. There's a, a hot fandom uh, for him because no one wanted him out of New Orleans. So glad to see him finding success. Had an interception last week against yes, the uh, against Houston that looked really beautiful. Uh, just a great play on the ball there, and something that we we've missed uh, with with him. Uh, but certainly hopping over to the Titans offense. Uh, you know, look, uh, I, I mentioned that, and we we seem to both have a lot of respect for each other's teams here. And certainly the Titans have been a, a fan. You know, I've been a fan of the Titans for quite some time. I actually first non Saints jersey was a uh, Derek Mason jersey. Uh, so big fan of the the wide receivers back then, and of course uh, Javon Curse. But there's a new uh, wide receiver in, or a new couple of wide receivers out there for Tennessee that's playing very very well. And rookie AJ Brown sits atop that list for me. Uh, what can you say a little bit about what AJ Brown does well, and what is it that has made him, or is really just sort of you know credited, uh, or what what is it that you can credit to his big resurgence at the top of the season, or at the top of his career rather? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that it's funny that you bring up AJ Brown. I actually do a film driven breakdown, my Tic Tac Tuesday segment where we break down the X's and O's every Tuesday on my show. And I also put up a thread on Twitter to kind of marry my audio breakdown with the visuals there. And AJ Brown was my focus this week. He's had 47 catches on the year, 893 yards, seven touchdowns. All of that leads the Titans. As a rookie, it's been incredible to watch his development happen so quickly. So one of the things I focused on is his hands are monstrous. He is a huge physical guy. So at the beginning of the year, he was just good after the catch. We would run him short intermediate routes, get the ball in his hands, let him run. He's kind of like a... Hey, um, the comparison that you see a lot now, Eddie George actually said it today, I've made it in the past, is Terrell Owens. Uh, he's so physical with the ball in his hands afterwards that that's how we were utilizing him early in the season. He's developed throughout the season. It's something I showcased on Twitter at Tic Tac Titans that his route running, he had a couple of plays against Bradley Roby, some out routes where he had Bradley Roby on the ground because he broke so quickly to the outside, uh, his strength his physicality, also his mental awareness. He just does a lot of things where he's very aware of the goal line, the sideline, his where his body needs to be, his body control. And then overall, his just athleticism, his speed, his agility, his quickness. He's kind of putting everything together right now. And the last four weeks, he's been dominant, having over 100, averaging over 100 yards, averaging a touchdown catch per game, having over four catches each game. He's just been great as he's developed later in the season. So seeing his impact on the offense and what it kind of allows the Titans to do has been a big part of how this offense took off in the middle of the season, along with Tannehill coming in. But, you know, a lot of it had to do with not just Tannehill. Like I said, it's A.J. Brown's development as a as a total package at wide receiver and not just an underneath yards after catch specialist. Highly recommend for the Saints fans listening to go and check out Tyler's episode from uh, from Tuesday, the Tic Tac Tuesday episode. I listened to it earlier today. Incredible breakdown, man! Great, great work there. And then check Thank out you. also, oh, of course, of course. Yeah, at the, the minimum, just check out you know the Twitter yeah. account at Tic Tac Titans if you want to see a little more about what AJ Brown does. And you know, Saints fans will obviously have to stop him this week, so it might be something you're interested in checking out as well. Yeah, very, very, very good stuff over there. What would you say, you know, Marshawn Lattimore is the corner that's probably going to be with him. And Marshawn can play a little bit of that speed corner role to where, you know, he's going to essentially just try to keep up with uh, whoever he's lined up across. But he can also be very physical as well. So he can play a little bit of that sort of physical and finesse role. Is it going to take a little bit of both or does it take a little bit of more, more of one than the other? 
You know what's crazy is I think that the the biggest aspect that will help Marshawn Lattimore going against AJ Brown is um his intelligence, his football IQ. AJ Brown has developed quite a bit as a receiver, but where he's lacking most at this moment in time is still his route running. He doesn't have a complete route tree, and he's still developing there. Uh, seeing those developments, like I mentioned, are great, but you know he's no Adam Thielen or Michael Thomas out there with his route running at this moment in time. He still relies heavily on his athleticism and physicality as a player. So uh, if you're Michael, or I'm sorry, if you're Marshawn Lattimore, what your plan is going to be is is probably to try to mentally be A.J. Brown, know what routes are coming through film study because I think if Marshawn Lattimore is so quick twitch that he can athletically hang with A.J. Brown so if you mentally can beat A.J. Brown, kind of figure out his routes, what he likes to run, how he tips his routes, things like that, I think Marshawn Lattimore can beat him to the spot because what you don't want is A.J. Brown with the ball in his hands because once the ball is in his hands, he's going to be a nightmare for any defense running down the field. So I think it's important for Marshawn Lattimore to use his football intelligence, which is shown time and time again. Cornerbacks aren't just good because they're physical and athletic. They have to be incredibly smart to play cornerback in the NFL. So I think if Marshawn Lattimore does enough film study, can figure out the routes that A.J. Brown likes and the formations that the Titans run those certain routes out of, he can beat A.J. Brown to the spot on a couple footballs, which will give him opportunities to make turnovers, but primarily just make sure that he doesn't allow A.J. Brown to get the ball in his hands and get momentum. Yeah, absolutely. All right, last question for you. We talked a little bit about his weapons already. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, or I guess second to last question. Ryan Tannehill, um, how do you feel, I mean, when you look at Ryan Tannehill, uh, when it comes to him performing with no pressure versus under pressure, you look at his PFF grades, 95.2 with no pressure, which is fantastic. Uh, 55.3, though, under pressure. How do you feel in terms of the offensive line keeping Ryan Tannehill clean against a guy like Cam Jordan and some of the other running mates that he's got with him there? Well, quite frank, frankly, I don't feel great about it. Uh, the Titans have given up 51 sacks on the season. That's, you know, top three in the NFL and sacks allowed. And well, I, I should say bottom three, because saying top anything when we're talking about sacks doesn't feel right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I can't feel the Titans offensive line has been improved in, in recent weeks. Uh, even given up zero sacks against the Raiders. So you like to see that, but against more talented defensive lines and and pass rushing units this year the Titans have just been eaten alive especially if you have interior pressure so what I would do if I'm the Saints I would try to find a way to get Cam Jordan matched up one-on-one on rookie right guard Nate Davis he's been exposed quite a bit with guys who can turn speed into power they can bull rush him and then use a speed move to get right around him with the space they've created. And Cam Jordan, if you've ever watched his film breakdowns on like Baldy's breakdown on the NFL mm-hmm. YouTube channel and things like that, that guy is going to be a stud in the media when he's done playing football. He's so intelligent. Oh, and yeah. it's it's not just being smart, the ability to communicate his pass rush moves and his step-by-step breakdown and his internal monologue of what he's doing on these pass rush moves and his counters. It is just amazing to watch. I love watching him break down film. So I hope he goes into the media when he's done. But if you can find a way to get a technician and a savvy vet like that matched up against a rookie right guard who is better in run blocking than he is pass blocking at this moment in time, because he's kind of got a squatty butt to say it sounds Mm -hmm. funny, but he's very heavy in the back end and it 
gives him balance issues, quite frankly, in pass protection. So if you can get somebody like Cam Jordan to get him off balance with a bull rush and then use a speed move inside or outside to get to the quarterback, I think it's going to give the Titans offensive line a ton of problems. And what they'll need to do is they'll need to use heavy packages and kind of move Tannehill within the pocket with bootlegs as they typically do to get him away from that pass rush. If it's just set up Titans O-line versus Saints pass rush, I don't care how banged up they are. The Saints are going to get in there. So they're going to have to do a couple of different things to try to eliminate that threat. That's fantastic insight. Thank you very much for that. And the Saints do we do a really good job at moving those guys around on the defensive line. So yep, not do. at all. Yeah, not at all uh, out of the ordinary to see Cam Jordan line up mm-hmm. on the interior. Running a little bit low on time, but really quickly, just a couple of words in terms of how you're feeling with Derrick Henry. I know he was you know on the injury report for a little while, didn't go for over 100 yards this week. So everybody's kind of worried about him. But I, how do you feel about him coming into this week against the Saints? Well, the Titans got down 14 to nothing, so it's game flow wise. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. But Henry still got 21 carries and there were a few situations where I thought he should have gotten more. But the injury, the injury really did impact how plays were called, what personnel packages were used at certain times. So it's pretty obvious that he's banged up pretty bad. Um, I think that's fair to say. I mean, the Titans ran a toss sweep to their tight end. Right. Now it was 57 uh, J- yards. Smith. Yeah. Smith, is that a yeah. Jo- yeah. Smith. Smith. Yeah. Jonu Smith. He's been great. So watch yeah. out for him. If, if um, you're, you know, you're looking for some daily cheap, daily fantasy options, he's been pretty solid. He's an underrated tight end, but when you're running a pitch sweep to your tight end, it tells you two things. One, you're starting running back is hurt and you're trying anything you can to possibly give him a little bit of a breather. And two, your running back room sucks. I mean, if you have to go, if you, if you you have a backup running back in Deion Lewis who literally can't run that type of play because he's not physical enough and you have nobody else to give the ball to, I mean, that is a problem. We talked about the Titans' lack of edge rushers and that being a roster hole. Roster hole number two is running back. So probably why Todd McShay mocked DeAndre Swift to the Titans today. But moving <laughs> forward, yeah, I am really worried about Derrick Henry's injury. His hamstring is clearly a problem. And there is a scenario that if the Texans beat the Buccaneers on Saturday night, there is a scenario there where the Saints game really doesn't matter to the Titans at all. Mm-hmm. Really, the outcome of it doesn't matter. It's it's a complicated playoff scenario to explain. I'm not going to bore Saints fans with the Titans playoff paths, but basically there's a, there's a way that the Saints game, the Titans will know when the game kicks off that the Saints game doesn't matter. So uh, look to see Derrick Henry if the Saints for some reason get up early, they'll probably limit him in the second half and just kind of chalk it up as a loss and try to get him right for week 17 in the biggest matchup against the Texans. But if the Titans are able to get up early and Derrick Henry can kind of have some success early, then I would be concerned because later in the game, he wears on people. And if the Saints were to get down after that big emotional win on Monday night with less rest than normal, playing a road game against a Mm -hmm. hungry team who really, really needs it, I could see them, you know, getting in trouble and and not wanting to tackle Derrick Henry by the second half. So like I said, in when we were talking Titans defense, it really depends on how the Titans play defense in that first quarter, how the rest of the game will go. But if the Saints get up early, the Titans might just rest Derrick Henry and Saints fans will have the biggest threat possible not to worry about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Saints have been doing a good job here over recent weeks, scoring in their opening possessions. They'll look to continue Mm -hmm. that and start to set a tone early in this game. Starting early. Tyler. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Tyler, great, great, great doing this with you, man. Thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Ross. And if if you would like, I mentioned my uh, Twitter account a few times. If you want to plug any of your social medias for the for the podcast or yourself, feel free. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate that. Uh, Titans fans, if you're interested, you can follow me over on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. And of course, you can check out the AllSaintsConsidered.com website as well. Get everything you need to know about your upcoming opponent here in week 16. It should be a fun game here. I'm very much looking forward to it. Yes, me too. Me too. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I love these crossover Wednesday events and good luck to the Saints in the playoffs. Like I said, I, I wouldn't mind seeing them in a Super Bowl. Hey, absolutely, man. And good luck getting to the playoffs. I hope that it works out, man, because I'd love to see the Titans back there. Yeah, maybe we'll be able to do this podcast again in February. Fingers crossed. That would be fantastic. (laughs) I know, right? I know. Well, take care, Ross. I appreciate it. Absolutely, buddy. You too. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation between me and Ross from the Locked on Saints podcast. Very knowledgeable guy. Does a great job with his show over there. I know you guys always enjoyed these. I really enjoyed that one as well. And like I said, hopefully me and Ross can do this podcast again in February. Fingers crossed, Titans fans. Well, we are going to continue our preparation for the New Orleans Saints tomorrow on Thursday's show. So I will be back with you then. As always, I am your host, Tyler Rowland, and this was Locked on Titans. Thanks for listening to the Locked on Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite college team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.